Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. How important was it just to get the bitter taste out from last week? Well, I think it's a part of when you play you know, worse than you wanted, you know, you don't feel good all week and, and you're disappointed and it kind of carries with you and to be able to come back out on the field and compete and play a cleaner game and, and be sharp, I think it does help. But I don't think you ever forget what happened last Sunday or what happened week two against the Eagles. You never forget that and, and you you try to learn from it and use it to uh, be better moving forward. I love when I love when reporters ask the when they do the talk about Talk about that's one of my favorite. Talk about talk about. Hey, can you talk about talk about the Eagles? Talk about this. My other favorite reporter trope is the how important the the how big you're asking someone to quantify a very uh-huh. vague thing. Uh-huh. How big was it? How important was it? I would follow up there, and I would I would ask me. No, I that's a great answer, but how important was it? Like was it this important? I would hold my hands out, or was it this important? You know what I want? Can you kind of quantify it someday. Or? I want the, it's not your fault. Goodwill hunting. Fault. So just, just set the player up with, you know. Hey, Kirk, it's not your fault, not man. Your fault. What? Not your fault. It's not your fault, not dude. Your fault. What isn't? It. It's not your fault. It is not your fault. You like that? crying. You're not you, man. Don't you do this. Are we, are we done with Kirko chains now? Or would he, would he don the chains after a, a wild card God, I hope victory? So. You right I that hope he would. If he, you know what? I hope it's not done. I I would have liked to see seen it more. I like n- not after a game like Sundays, but there's times where they won games again. Well, I, I, I don't was, know the greatest comeback in NFL history. He well, couldn't yeah, get right. some change for that one. Well, I was very disappointed that he seemed to like be like, well, I think we we peaked after Buffalo, and so we're going to have to do something else. It's like, no, dude, you are the no. like yeah, you need you need to do something else. Awesome. Add more chains. I want to see him tip over. He can't you even know, hold his body up because he has so many chains. Well, and that kid who's like eight, right? He's wearing chains, and they're showing him on the scoreboard. People love it. Is he like, still re- going to games? Oh, yeah. Um, he, Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, okay. and they brought him to the next game, I know, that, that the Vikings paid. Is he for traveling? He's traveling now? And he was, no, no, no. It, it was the next home game. But yeah, he okay. should travel in the playoffs. We had the same like, physique. I, th- I, think, I thought it was me. People thought it was me when they first saw that kid. That did look like a young it did. Declan. Well, looked Rob like Lowe a... trying to open the mayonnaise jar physique. Yeah. That's what... <laughs> it did look like a young Dex. That's a very good point. Are you guys ready for some statements here? Yes. Let's some do it. Mackie and Judd statements. All right, I'm going to lead you guys off with this one. The American population has no faith 
in the Minnesota Vikings. All right, the line is out. The early line here is Vikings are three-point favorites, so that the, the line has spoken. And according to Action Network, 65% of the bets are on the Giants right now. 95% of the money is on the Giants to cover the three. So I guess technically the Vikings could still win by like one or two in this case, and the 95% would, would get paid, right? But part of this is probably there's a lot of excited Giants fans. It's been like six years, right? A lot of high roller East Coasters who just haven't seen their team. They just want to put a bunch of money on their team. And the Vikings are frauds, right? So you've got those two forces sort of going in the same direction. So what do you make of it? It's early in the week, but I actually I checked it late last night. It was 94% money, and I thought this morning it'll probably even out. No, it's gone up. 95% of the money, according to Action Network, is on the Giants for this one. Nobody believes in the Vikings. One, I'm not surprised. And two, if I'm the Vikings... Or a fan. I love this. Yeah. I keep the theme going, baby. Dude, I would put this up. I would literally have a monitor in the locker room that shows this. 95%. 96%. Can in we get my, it to 100%? In my opinion, in my opinion, it's actually the lack of, of belief or faith in the Vikings helps to relax them. Like, it doesn't apply. Pressure is, you are a 14-point favorite. You're going to kick yeah. the Giants' ass. This actually continues the mantra of, 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 at least privately, nobody believes in you. And you know what? The best part about it is it's, in some ways, sort of justified because you yeah. got blown out twice. So if I'm the Vikings, if I'm O'Connell, I love this. It's absolutely ideal. And it's, it is fair in the sense that it's not like the Vikings have won a ton of games by a touchdown or two. And so, you know, if Giants, if the Giants, betters are saying that, that that the Giants are going to lose by two or one, they might be exactly right. But I think that this, the longer you can ride the nobody thinks you guys are worth a crap train, the better. It is. Yeah. I mean, how often in NFL history have there been 13 win teams that can just play the nobody believes in us card? Maybe once you get to like the Super Bowl and then you sure. run into another 13 plus win team, a dynasty or something, you run into the Patriots, you're the Eagles. The Eagles won 14 13 or 14 games five years ago, right? And they have a backup quarterback. No one believes in us. So you can play it late, but in the wild card, how many 13-win teams in a wild card round can be can play that card and it, and it be fairly correct? At home, too. Yeah. You're at home and nobody believes. If I'm O'Connell, I am absolutely thrilled about this. Mm. All right, Judley. All right. I'm going to get into a statement about Sunday's game as well. A little more boiled down, though, because my statement is this. It's time to feed KJ. (laughs) KJ Osborne, in the latter part of the season, has been absolutely positively fantastic. And he's been the receiver that I think a lot of us expected he might be at the start, but he he was not, not necessarily his fault, but he was not used as much as we thought KOC might use him. In the first 13 games, just to put this in quick perspective, K.J. Osborne, first 13 games he played this season, averaged 2.7 receptions and 23.1 yards per game with three touchdowns. Just a third guy used a little bit, not much. In the last four, including yesterday, 
The receptions went from 2.7 to 6.3. The per-game yardage went from 23.1 to 87.5, and he caught two touchdowns. Um, You've got something here. You've got a a hot hand. You clearly have a guy that probably most importantly, Kirk Cousins trusts. Ride it. It's another, like, that's the one thing is the Giants are going to, from a starting point, say, okay, we got to shut Jefferson down. We got to, JJ has to be shut down. And my response to that is, okay, that's fine, but you're going to pay for it, right? Hawkinson, feeling in his role, but KJ Osborne right now, for better or for worse, is the second best wide receiver on this team. Yeah. Make damn sure that he has a huge game because if you're going to take away JJ and be concerned about the Hawk, okay, somebody's going to be open. Single coverage. KJ Osborne, ride him. Yeah, I think you're onto something here. They've been, they've been looking for they've been looking for just another big threat, home run threat. I think it's been a few weeks since we checked the the chunk plays uh, in the passing game, but just Justin Jefferson had like almost all of them, twenty plus yard receptions, and KJ Osborne's now mixed in. He had sixty yarder, had a thirty yarder in that game yesterday. Did you guys know, by the way, just to zoom out here, the Vikings, even with Hawkinson only playing a partial season here, had four receivers go over 500 yards. So Hawkinson wound up with 519 as a Viking alone, hmm. over 900 if you include his Lions yardage. Thielen wound up with uh, 716. KJ was 650. And Thielen's stock kind of dropping toward the end of the year. Osborne's stock rising. And then, of course, Justin Jefferson with 1,800 so I haven't looked in franchise history, but I got to think it's probably the first time they've had four guys over 500 yards in one season. We can check on that, but that's, that's pretty impressive. Question. So they, they do have some options out there. Mm-hmm. And, and to your point, it does kind of feel like the options are correctly aligning now, right? Justin Jefferson's option one, KJ's option two, kind of next to Hawkinson, depending on what you're looking for. And then Thielen. And you saw it like Thielen's not useless. He can still break open in the red zone. Red zone, or I just need someone to find a hole in the zone for a seven-yard third-down reception. Totally still in on Adam Thielen. But if I'm looking for a chunk play of 30 yards or someone to be a home run threat on the opposite side of Josh Jefferson, you're right. K.J. Osborne is is that guy for this team. Okay, my first statement. Improve your resume. And I'm talking about the quarterback, Kirk Cousins. So... We always talk about, uh, well, we have a couple more now with this season. We have eight fourth-quarter comebacks, the biggest uh, comeback in NFL history, 33 points down the Colts. But up until then, we always just talked about, hey, remember the Saints playoff win? And that was kind of it. Yeah, the Broncos won in 2019 or whenever that was. was fun, too. But that, that game doesn't even count. It doesn't. It was a regular season game against a bad team. Like and and Stefan Diggs, by the way, Judd and I were both sitting at that game watching that in the press box. Stefan Diggs took over that ball game in the second half. It was incredible. But I'm not here to rip on that. Because Kirk Cousins gave you eight fourth quarter comebacks and started to change some of his narrative. Not all of his narrative, but but he changed some of the narrative. The biggest way he can win over all of the people who have criticized him, even people on this show, myself included, national talking heads, is by going on a playoff run. It's by daggering a team in the Giants that you're favored to beat. It's by going to the divisional round and getting a big win there, whether that's at home or on the road. And it's going to the NFC title game and proving that you belong in big game moments. Now, he didn't get the noon game against the Giants, so he's got to do it in a 3.30 time slot on Fox on Sunday. But that's step one. That is step one for Kirk Cousins to changing 
his narrative and improving his resume as a big game quarterback in that era for Kirk starts this weekend. Yeah. I'm going to be a one-upper here because I agree with everything you just said. And I'm going to raise you, Dex. I'm going to raise you at the poker table here. Kirk Cousins is four games away from a Hall of Fame bust. Whoa. Maybe that should have been my hottest take on football. It just came to me right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or four games away from, or one game away from just being a bust. (laughs) Well, the line is is very thin. But if you look, for instance, all right, Let's start to look at, and, and we've kind of poo-pooed some of this because some of these are just like clearly more hollow numbers than other players on these lists. But if you look, for instance, at career passer rating leaders all time, he's eighth. Now, there's a couple of weird names in here, like Jimmy Garoppolo is sixth, and Dak Prescott is tied for eighth, and uh, Lamar Jackson's 13th because it's just easier to put up those kind of numbers in this day and age. But when you're talking about being eighth and, and Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson's on this list. So, again, some modern quarterbacks are going to be higher up because it's easier. Joe Burrow is a future Hall of Famer. Russell Wilson, he's probably a future Hall of Famer. If you're on this list and you have a Super Bowl championship, Hall of Fame is definitely a conversation. So if, if at the end of the, the run for him he plays 10, 11, 12 years as a starting quarterback, and it's 4,000 yards after 4,000 yards, and it's it's 29, 30 touchdowns year after year. The stats are there, right? The thing that keeps Tony Romo and Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan out of that conversation is playoff failure, right? Tony Romo had like two playoff wins in his career. If Tony Romo had one run, one run, he'd probably oh, be a Hall of Famer, right? I mean, Eli Manning, he had, because he had two Super Bowls, Eli Manning's probably a Hall of Famer. So maybe it's crazy to say this, but I'm just saying, like, the counting stats at the end of the If he plays, like, four or five more years at a pretty high level, whether it's with the Vikings or someone else, and he puts up the counting stats and has a Super Bowl ring to go along with it, I think we're talking about a guy that gets Hall of Fame consideration. Wow. That's a huge hot take. I'd have to digest that one a little bit more. Wow. Let's no go ahead digest it on the fly, please. I, it just kind of came to me like as Declan was talking. Well, first of all, I agree completely with De- with Dex's uh, statement. Um, I think he might. So yeah, if Cousins puts together four or five more years and one, I think he might need a couple of championships, a couple of Super Bowls, not one. You got to start uh, with one. Ma- got to start. Manning's going to be. That's going to be a very intriguing one to me because it feels like there's a lot of. There's a lot of pro and con there, and there's a bit of dissension. And the fact that he played for the Giants is obviously huge. The fact that his last name is is Manning and not Smith is huge. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Cousins might need to. I think Cousins is going to be seen fair or not, just from the perspective of the people that walk into that room. If Cousins wins a Super Bowl, I think he's going to be considered a lot like Flacco. Well, it cha- it all changes. I don't know, man. I'm just telling I, you. I, I don't think, think Flacco put up. Flacco didn't put up the gaudy numbers that Cousins has. Yeah. right. Flacco was yeah, a playoff gaudy- performer and not but, necessarily a big time regular season performer. 
But are the Gotti statistics going to be I, – I think we're going to come to a point here very soon, though, where quarterback statistics are going to be uh, perceived by that committee like wide receiver stats are. I agree. But, but like Flacco, for instance, he's been in the league for like 15 years. He's never made a Pro Bowl. So he was never even considered by yeah. peers or anyone as a, as a great regular season yeah. quarterback. He was a game man. He only threw for 4,000 yards once. In 2016 with Baltimore, he threw for 4,300 yards. Here's another thing about Kirk, okay? Kirk, because some of these, some of it, you have to have the counting numbers. You either have to have the titles or the counting numbers or both. Guys like Aikman and Terry Bradshaw maybe didn't have the counting numbers, Mm -hmm. but they had multiple rings or dynasties, right? So Kirk's going to need big-time counting numbers and a championship or two to have Hall of Fame consideration. So... I already gave you the passer rating. Kirk is currently 23rd on the all-time touchdown pass list. Next year, if he throws for 30, he will rise up to like 18th or 19th. Uh, I'm sorry, 18th or 17th. In two more, if he gets to three, he's at 252. He can get to 300 pretty easily and be tied with John Elway and ahead of Warren Moon for all-time passing touchdowns. So if you're again if you're counting numbers are in that right. spot and you have a title or right. two, yeah, I think you need two. I think you need two t- titles. But I do <laughs> I do believe that we are going to get to, to a point here soon where counting statistics for quarterbacks are not going to be taken as seriously as they probably once were. Yeah, well the bar is going to be way different. And it should yeah, be. It, yeah. I mean, just the throw, league is basically begging there. you to have good counting stats. It's a huge hot take. Just throw it out. It's a huge hot take, especially coming from the number one, I believe, Kirk Cousins hater. Yep, that's correct. I've voted on Twitter. You just basically <laughs> it was a blowout, said, too. Yeah, I mean, you won easily, and now you're saying potentially HOF? Oh, no, it wasn't Cus- biggest Cousins hater. It was it was the guy who did the biggest 180-degree oh, okay. turnaround oh, well, then this with Kirk perfectly. Cousins. Excuse me. That's right. I'm just flip flopping from year to year. You know I me. Lo- I love what you're doing here. I love what <laughs> you're doing. Okay, uh, Judd, back to you. Okay. I think. Yes. 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 Okay. I'm going to continue with game theory with prep with preparation. It's game week, and my statements will continue on the path of how do you beat one team, Big Blue, the New York Giants. My statement is this: Give them the 13 look. Give them the thirteen look. Oh, oh. football! Is that that's three three tight ends? Okay, right? Exactly, exactly. Right. Not consistently, but you know who loves the thirteen right now? Who employs it all the time? Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Houston Reed. Texans. Yeah. Andy, Reed. yeah, yeah. The the yeah the USFL loves it. Um, okay, Irv Smith is back. Okay, they activated him for a reason. If you go one running back and let's say Smith, Hawkinson, and Munt and Jefferson alone, the Vikings have not employed the 13 look much, if at all, throughout the entire year, I don't think. Or if they have, they have not done it with two capable receivers. Irv Smith, I've soured on a bit, but he can still catch the football, right? He's a threat. All right. You did not have him for the first Giants game. You are going to have to give the Giants some wrinkles that you did not show them the first time so that you can cause some confusion. Think about the 13 look. Think about the options. Jefferson in motion, one receiver, 
Smith and Hawkinson in routes. Munt stays in the block. Now now you're providing, and I'm not saying that you should do this the whole game, but I I am am. saying. No, I am. But but, but the Chiefs Chiefs used this on Saturday against Vegas. Uh, The Chiefs use this now, and it's uh, this is what I love about Reed. Andy Reed's an old guy, but my God, he like the way his brain thinks. The snow and, globe play. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. You know what? That's genius because you know what it does? It creates confusion and it creates doubt in a defense that thought they had seen everything that you could give them. Why wouldn't teams just do that all the time? Yeah. All right, we're just going to spin in a circle and make it impossible for you to like, and then we're going to snap it within five seconds, and you're not going to know who to match up on. Dude, it was, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. But you know what? This is where Irv Smith could come in handy. Hawkinson, Smith, Munt Block, Jefferson, and, and the one thing that Jefferson said to O'Connell that, that he talked about in his uh, press conference on Thursday was, I need to be m- moving around more. I need to create more confusion. Like when you set, when you just set me up, it then with the, with the safety high and, and press coverage the guy gets a good press yeah if i'm moving in motion it becomes more difficult especially if he travels with me the point being is you've got a chance to give the giants looks they have not seen from you yet with with a viable threat in irv smith as the other receiver use it 13 look baby you gotta think they're saving some stuff because they looked awfully vanilla at times red zone we talked about this on Ventline yesterday purple daily podcast feed and uh, youtube channel just it feels like the creativity has kind of dissipated, and maybe that's on purpose. They clinched that division a couple weeks back. Why put anything? Oh, we'll go play the Packers. No, that's fine. But whatever. We'll just kind of line up and see what happens. Yeah, we'll just we'll run the ball at the middle against the Bears in the red zone. But maybe they've got some tricks up their sleeve. Let's see. All right, back to Declan here. Statement. All right, my next statement is prove you belong. And I'm talking actually about Kevin O'Connell. So, rookie head coaches. Rookie head coaches here. You got KOC, you got Brian Dayball. Both guys have kind of maximized their offense. Both guys have gotten two teams that weren't expected to necessarily be playoff locks to be playoff locks. They had their divisions and seating wrapped up uh, going into the last week of the season. Uh, so, now you got two rookie head coaches. And Kevin O'Connell has orchestrated some great things with this Vikings offense. It's the first time since 2009 that their offense is top 10 in both yards and in points. Uh, there's some great things at, at at display here. But also, there's still some warts with Kevin O'Connell's game. Getting too cute, as we just talked about, in the lower red areas. Um, not converting second and one and third and one in short-to-go situations. He has a chance here to prove that he can belong, right? I mean, I, you saw yesterday Ben Johnson of the Lions dial up a crazy lateral play, basically, that helped Detroit ice the game, which was insane, dude. I love the stones from Ben Johnson the Lions offensive coordinator, not, not talking about the Gophers, uh, men's basketball coach. That was a great <laughs> oh, play. they almost beat Nebraska okay, oh, on yeah. Saturday, and that was a great game. I heard that also resulted in a rough cover for Spokes because they hit a last-second three, I think, to not cover they the did. three points. And, it, oh, and some yeah. betting markets were uh, pretty upset about that. It was good, though, because the Gophers were competitive but ultimately lost and kept their uh, their high draft pick high draft pick. <laughs> Transfer portal draft pick. But Kevin O'Connell can prove he can belong. And I think this is really important that he's not just a fluke. This wasn't just a 13-win season. He's not just being uh, propped up by lucky fourth-quarter comebacks. He can prove that he can belong, and I'm excited to see what he dials up with, whether that's new personnel with Irv Smith coming back, however they want to do that. I'm excited to see how Kevin Connell belongs in the playoffs. Yeah. He gets a little bit... 
yeah, yesterday, for instance, and again, I don't know, is he just, I, I thought it was more of a, a clock management snafu than it was a play calling snafu. But at the end of the first half, I get what he's doing. Once the clock hits two minutes and the Vikings are on the other side of the 50, one of his goals is to score. The other goal is to prevent the Bears from getting the ball back so that you can you can score and just go into halftime and then get the ball back. It's a two-for-one, right? And so he runs the ball on first and 10 with two minutes left. Get that clock down to 120. Totally get it. But then it's first and goal from like the five-yard line with 50-some seconds left. He runs the ball on the first play and then runs the ball on the second play. Gets stuffed on both. They bring the clock all the way down, and I think sometimes he gets a little cute. He knows exactly what he's doing when it comes to – he knows how to preserve timeouts. He knows the value of, okay, let's not let them get the ball back. But sometimes you have to prioritize calling your best touchdown play when you're that close instead of let's milk it with a couple runs up the middle and then call a pass play on third down. And then, of course, and we'll get to this too, um, you got to trust your quarterback not to check it down when you have no timeouts. But he, does, I think there's some things like he he clearly sees the matrix, like the game management <laughs> matrix, but he does get a little too cute sometimes. So can he avoid that going forward? I would forward? agree with that, yes. Because okay. that could absolutely derail you in a playoff game. Yes. Can we get to just real quick, uh, before we get back to statements, a what are you doing, guy? What are you doing, guy? Presented by our friends at Park Tavern, the official sports bar of the sports day. If you're looking for a yep. great place for a group gathering. Yep. Park Tavern's the place. What am I doing? I'll tell you right now, Phil. Sports Dad is going to Park Tavern to sit at the end of the bar, sip on a Surly, and watch all of the games in one of their two bars. They've got bowling. They've got a huge venue that's fantastic. They've got great food. And so what I'm doing on a cold winter night is I am pulling up a chair at the bar, and I am catching all the the games. And perhaps you want to go bowling. But as Phil just said, perhaps you've got a group uh, gathering that you're trying to put together. Maybe your wife's birthday, your kid's birthday is coming up, and you're like, okay, that's a hassle. That's a lot of planning. We got a big group, 40 people. I'm going to tell you right now, your troubles end when you contact my friends at Park Tavern, 952-929-6810, 952-929-6810, net to book your group. Guess what? Once it's booked, they will handle everything else. You will be a hero at home. And they will do all the work. You take the credit. Parktavern.net. I will see you there. Yeah. When, you th- when we say group outing, sometimes people think like, oh, yeah, like a group of six. No. Oh, we have no, a group no. of seven. It's kind of a weird number. Well, they can definitely do those. No problem. Yeah. We're talking like a group of 20, 40, yeah. 50. We're talking, we're talking a party. Big we're talking ass rooms. We're talking exactly right. Fantasy league draft. Bring it on. Bring all your fantasy leagues, all four of them. Do all the drafts at once. Bounce around in different rooms, yes. All right. We kind of alluded to it. I know I just put him in a Hall of Fame discussion if he goes and wins four playoff games. But the thing that prevents him from doing the four playoff game win thing is the blue screen of death, the Kirk Cousins blue screen of death, where all of a sudden the computer just like short circuits and shuts off on you. And at the end of the first half yesterday... And I get it. Meaningless game, meaningless whatever, but it's third down. They have no timeouts left. There's like 12 seconds to go, and they snap the ball. You have you have two options here. First of all, you can't take a sack, or it's probably over, right? You can't even get a field goal off. 
And they did actually get a field goal off, but it turns out they had 12 men on the field, yeah. right? Yeah, so, TJ didn't hit off. But yeah. that's what happens when you're trying to rush when you have 10 Ready seconds golf. to run the kick team out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't take a sack, and you can't complete a pass short of the boundary or short of the end zone because if that happens, you're not going to be able to run your field goal unit out in time. And so he throws that ball underneath to Dalvin Cook, gets tackled, and they have a fire drill to run the field goal unit out there, and they wind up with no points at the end of the half. Imagine if that happens against the Giants or you're on the road playing the Eagles or something in the playoffs. Yep. So it, it doesn't happen that often with him. I feel like he's he's cleaned a lot of stuff up. But it happens like two or three times, maybe five times a year with an interception, just a boneheaded interception or a, a gamer clock management thing where Kirk just goes blue screen of death like he did yesterday. You cannot throw a check down in that situation. So, yes, that was a terrible de- uh, decision and a terrible pass uh, to throw at that point in time. Beyond that, there seemed to be some problems with the play clock as far as, like, they, they almost took had, had to uh, take a timeout, and Kirk w- was mad uh, in the deep red at one point. He then took a delay of game. Do, you, do we think that there was something up, like, with Chris Reed, possibly? Like, there seemed to be short-circuiting going on that I feel like I haven't seen much from Kirk and company. Uh, I wonder if there was something with the line or because something was like it was almost as if the play was coming in too slowly, but that hasn't been a problem. Like I was well, trying to figure out what was going on, why that the that's clock still like was, a game the was clock was no the clock was stopped. This is the this is this is the end of the first half. The third oh no down no no. Play. I get that one. I'm saying before that there, there was a delay of game. There was a timeout that they had to rifle off in the deep red. No, I'm just saying as far as the organization down there before that that play, I, I had concerns too, but it wasn't a season-long thing. So I don't know if it was something with Chris Reed where there was a problem. There seemed to be more confusion in, in the deep red than we ordinarily see. Yeah, against a bad defense. Right. And sometimes they're just they're waiting until three seconds. to. There's there's a bunch of times, I feel like, lately where Cousins is go, is, is canning a play. Can, can, can. He's, yeah, they call two plays in the huddle. He can, can, cans one with three seconds on the play clock, yeah. and then he's like clapping, yeah. yeah, stuff like that. But you, you, the best quarterbacks in the NFL don't throw a check down yeah. with no timeouts in that situation. They 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 have a, a mastering and an understanding of of what to do. And mm-hmm. I think generally he's been pretty good in that area. But he's also a guy that it's well documented throughout his entire career. He likes to be told what to do. And that includes the remember the timeout stuff with Zimmer at the beginning of last year. That well, I I don't call the timeouts, dude. You're running the two minute drill, <laughs> so it leads me to believe that he doesn't like he doesn't treat the two minute drill always like it's his show to run. I will be in charge of everything. And that checkdown was a great example of well, it's it's a route that's in the playbook. What do you want me to do? It's there. Yeah, but we have to trust that you don't throw that pass. And that's the argument that you and I got into. You were kind of saying on Ventline yesterday that, well, why would you even give him the option? I said, well, some of those routes are built in to just, you know, pull a defender off of a different spot so that Dalvin runs the underneath. You don't have to throw it to him, but a defender has to follow him. So now it's more open for someone else. Right. So you have to leave it in there schematically. The you have to trust that your quarterback doesn't throw that yeah. pass like an idiot. <laughs> so... What are you doing, guy? I guess is what I'm trying to say here. From Hall of Fame bust <laughs> to being well, the don't, 
Don't check down blue the gallery. Screen, you won't be able to get to the Blue screen of death. We have run the gamut. Yes, we have. Uh, all right. Let's let's continue with statements here. I'm Mackie and Judd, and I want to turn your attention to the other side of the border here, boys. Here's my first statement about the Green Bay Packers. After all was said and done, it was the Packers who turned out to be the frauds, not the Minnesota Vikings. 13 wins, but they play close games, and, oh, we beat them, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, but the Vikings put one on you at the beginning of the year, so eye for an eye. All these Packer fans, the Vikings are frauds. Well, you guys were like a 12-win preseason favorite to win the division, coming off three consecutive 13-win seasons and a Hall of Fame quarterback. I get that you lost Devontae Adams, but that team is still loaded with talent, and it has one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And you wind up getting beat twice by the Lions and finishing under 500 to finish third in the division and miss the playoffs. I think we know who the frauds are. Nice little run at the end of the season, but I am so happy to see sad Packer fan tears dropping all over the state of Wisconsin Mm. and Minnesota. Uh, It was the Packers that turned out to be frauds, gentlemen. It was very Ticey-era Vikings-like, too, to get off to, uh, to, to, to like, have a bad stretch and then be, like, rushed to the finish. 2005 Vikings, when, when Culpepper... Got hurt. That team was off the rails, doing terrible. Brad Johnson steps in, and they make a playoff run. Yeah. They fall short. Same exact thing. Um, I got a note from, or I got a text from a friend of mine who's a Packer fan last night who had a good point, though. He said, when you got guys shoving the athletic trainers from the opposing team, you've got some discipline problems. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. Co- that's coaching, too. Like, for, for LaFleur, like... after the fact, to be pointing to his head, think about what you're doing. Okay, dude. That's on you as well. Like, if you have a guy that's that out of control um, and and who's now been ejected from a a second game for doing something just incredibly stupid, like, the first time, that needs to be fixed. Um, He's, like, crying in the tunnel on the way back, just, like, throwing a tantrum. Well, I I just have the feeling that the Packers are in for a very interesting period here now as, as their QB goes Favre and vacillates about his future. And... You know, Matt LaFleur, I think, is a good X's and O's guy. Like, I do think he, he knows uh, he knows the McVeigh strategies. I think he's a smart guy, probably. But I don't know that he's O'Connell as far as dynamic goes. Um, I just wonder if the Packers are in for n- not just a potential quarterback change in the next couple of years, but just an overall shift of things. I feel like that franchise, which for years and years, to their credit, was really well run, has hit more hiccups behind the scenes as well. Um, I don't want to say it's going to derail them for sure, but I watch things like that and say, that's not the Packer team, Packers teams I covered as far as the franchise goes. And they just seem to have a lot more of internal strife that's been growing. And I'm not sure the fans have a full grasp on reality here. And let's give, let's give the audience. We did the full Packer vent line over on purple daily today. So you can check that out the Monday episode of purple daily. But uh, if you're wondering what the, the tone is among Packer fans here from 620 WTMJ in Milwaukee. I just want him gone. I was, I texted to a buddy. Here we go. We're going to see Favre all at 2007. Watch the $50, $50 million man. Watch the magic unfold. Bing. 
throws the ridiculous interception. And I'm like, thank you, please, please let that be the last of it. I love the man. He got us the title. A lot of great years of football. I'm just ready to move on. And Joe Barry could go away too. Yeah, I mean, that is, I'm just ready to be done with the second Hall of Fame quarterback in a row that we've had over the course of 30 years. Just bring on purgatory. Okay, Packer fans. How do, you, how do you get to a point, too, where you, what now, four years in? Three or four years in. Have no idea what Jordan Love can or can't do. This is year three, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, with, you, you know, you have no clue. You draft this guy in the first round. You have, like, Jordan Love is not the transition plan now. He could be a bust. He could be a complete failure. You have no clue. Like, that's just a lot of very questionable decisions um, I understand you weren't going to bench Aaron. All of that being said, I guess my question is this. Why did you draft Jordan Love then, and why haven't you found a way to have an idea? I don't think they have any idea if this kid can play or not, and he's literally going to get to the end of a rookie contract. Yeah, and if they – let's say they they decide we're going to find out next year. We're going to we're gonna trade – I think – I think if they if they were to do like a post June first designation a trade of Rogers, I mean if he retires, I don't know how the cap situation works that way, but if they were to say mutually, okay, let's just move on here. We'll, we'll trade you to one of the five quarterback needy teams, Vegas or whatever, right? Howard throughout Tennessee last week as an option. I think if they do a post June first designation, um, the cap situation is not as hellish for them. But let's say Jordan Love explodes in year four. Okay, well now he's up for a contract after right. year his rookie contract ends after year five. So you've now you've wasted the value of the rookie scale contract. So it is kind of a hmm. a hilarious situation that's happening over across the board. Go, Pat, go. So I get sad. It. I get it. Oh, you guys have championships. The Vikings don't. We know. We know everything you have to say about us. Just like Eminem at the end of Eight Mile, we get it. Congrats on your championship. Congrats on winning titles in the '60s. Nice well, job. It's been thirty years too. Okay, it's been a. I mean, it's been unbelievable. You've had two QBs. I just love this uh, thought of well, it's time for him to be gone, so the next Hall of Fame quarterback can come in. Yeah. Eventually, that well runs dry. Yeah, it would be it would be very nice if for ten years they could hop around with about six different franchise quarterbacks like the other teams in their own division. So, uh, so anyways, yeah, the Packers turned out to be frauds. Judd, all right. My next statement is this, and I never thought I would say it, but Garrett, please come back. <laughs> so, in a playoff game in which you are going to have, um, r- right now it looks like, and this this could change, 40% of your starting offensive line gone, your center and your right tackle. Now, Brian O'Neill is a very good player, and his loss is huge. Oliudo, though, doesn't run the offensive line. So, like, he's not the guy in charge of signal calling. He's not the guy in charge of snapping the football. Uh, Chris Reed right now is, and I understand that, you know, I'm guessing Chris Reed's PFF grades against the Bears were fine, but it's the Bears. And the Bears were mentally golfing. The Bears were mentally golfing. And perhaps they weren't fine. Perhaps they sucked. I have no idea. But the point is, because I will guess the PFF grades tomorrow, but the point is this. Garrett Bradbury's missed five games, okay? 
Garrett Bradbury, I never thought I would say this, but with the way that, that he played and his familiarity with how Kirk Cousins and that line works against a team that's going to blitz you a ton and the Giants will blitz a ton, becomes a huge part of that game. He has missed five games. Um, hopefully by now he's progressed to being able to play, but it's a lower back, which makes it dicey. All that being said, I think if Chris Reed has to start a playoff game against a team that's going to blitz you and Kirk Cousins in particular, it's going to cause problems. I like your chances a lot more with a center who is familiar with the mechanics of how things work. Uh, The pressure on Sunday is going to be far more immense. And it worries me that if you take away a key component from Kirk, that's also going to have a impact on Kirk that we don't want to see. You know, it's funny I, outside of the, excuse me, the snap count issues against green Bay. I actually think uh, from a passing game perspective, the Vikings have been just fine with Chris Reed. It's the run game where it feels like they've missed Bradbury the most because Bradbury is a very good run blocker and he's become a much more passable pass protector. So I think just getting, I mean, how many times have you seen them try to run up the middle or anywhere within, you know, the, between the guards, I guess would be up the middle, but um, I think Garrett, that's where, to me, that's where they've missed Garrett Bradbury even more. But yeah, the Giants are one of the most blitz heavy teams in the NFL. And uh, it's, it's one thing to get the snap count right finally, and this is great. We're playing center in the NFL. All right, two games under our belt, and now you have a team that's looking to take it to the next level, advance on you through the playoffs. The communication between you and the other guards, could some things get lost in there? They're going to so. run stunts. They're going to run a ton of stunts. I can feel it in my bones. <laughs> but it hasn't been as big of a train wreck in terms of actual blocking with Chris Reed. He's only allowed two pressures in the two games. And if they've gotten rid of the snap count issues, I, I don't I don't fear the situation as much. But, yes, they they would be better with Garrett Bradbury. What what was uh, Schlotman's PFF grade against the Giants in the game they played here a few weeks ago? Do you have that? Well, let me find it. If, do you have you that just handy? Want the, you just want the one game? I want how the center did in that, in that game because the Giants do a lot of things that I think are fairly complex at times with Wink Martindale. So, yeah, well, here you go. Schlotman was a train wreck in pass protection in that game. Yeah, that's what I'm concerned about. A 26.3 I mean, grade out of 100. He allowed oh. six pressures, four hurries, a sack, and a hit. Yeah. The Bears game, in my opinion, does not count. Like, it's good they got right. It's good that that they, they won. But I was watching a team that was golfing mentally. Yeah. You could also make a case that just in their careers as guards and or centers that Chris Reed is far better than Austin Schlotman just okay. as, a, as an overall player. Okay. But I don't disagree getting Garrett Bradbury back. Now, would you? what if Bradbury is only like 70%? Would well, you rather have him or would you? You probably start with him and see, I, right? I would think I'd rather ha- have him because I think the mechanics of that position are so important. Mm-hmm. I would actually consider at this point, I know it's so late in the game to do this, but if you can get Bradbury at 75%, I trust Chris Reed at right guard more than I trust Ed Ingram right now. Wow. I would con- Now that Chris Reed's been playing, I would... I would consider making that move. They're not going to. I know, but I do like the hot takeness of it. (laughs) Switch at right guard right now. It's awesome. Let's make it happen. God, I love this show. All right, Dex. All right, my next statement is I'm ready for playoff football. Playoff football from my own team that I watch every day, okay? Uh, For the last few years, I've had to watch the Vikings not play playoff football. 
Uh, Pre-COVID was the last time the Vikings made the playoffs, so the last two full NFL seasons, 2020-2021. Uh, we have not seen the Vikings in the playoffs. Got these sad Packer fans that are now looking forward to the draft. And this is the first time in three years the Vikings haven't been already starting off-season mode already. So the Vikings start playoff football this weekend against the New York Giants. They get the second game on Sunday. It is super Wild card weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, playoff football. You know, I actually used to loathe the month of January. Like, personally, I just always think it takes forever. It's such a drag. But I will say, from a football perspective, you get super wild card weekend. You get the divisional round, which is, in my opinion, the best weekend of football. Conference championship, Super Bowl after a week break. I now kind of have changed my tune on January because I love me some playoff football, and I love that the Vikings are in it. The NFL is the single cure for seasonal depression. I love that they are moving now into middle of February and then free. This is the best part. So the NFL has now taken over. In fact, let me back up a step. Uh, I follow a bunch of these old school football accounts on social media that just show like old timey football clips. And one of them showed highlights of the 1957 NFL championship, I want to say. Giants and Colts? Colts and Giants, yeah. Frank Gifford and... One of the biggest games games ever. And that game took place, I believe, on December 27th of 1957. So the league championship ended on December 27th. And since then, over the last, what, 65, 70 years, the NFL has matriculated its way into early January, mid, late, and now into early February, and then mid-February. And then like three or four weeks after the Super Bowl, free agency frenzy bonanza begins. And so well, for decades and, and decades, before that. and the combine, right? So like for decades, people like Declan and myself, and I don't know, Judd, it does get a little sad. January, <laughs> and the holidays are over, and football's basically over. In February, it's cold in Minnesota. But now you've got, not only do you have football, you've got super wild card weekend. You've got Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Royal Rumble. And the divisional round weekend. The Royal Rumbles this in January. The WWE and the NFL are curing us of our seasonal depression. Jetty got our a, winter blues. You got not a, the wrestling for me. You got, you got an early row Rumble pick for this year? Dude, Cody. Cody's probably coming, coming back. Ryan yeah. Reeves. Right. Ryan Reeves <laughs> is going to show up and he can kick ass. Yes. Okay, where are we? Are we back? Are we back? I, so I've lost complete track. I think right, it's back, uh, to, back, back one to of me. you two. Back to me. Yeah. All right. Dan Campbell might be a genius. Oh, I got one. I got okay, one. so yeah. there's a couple sequences in that game last night. Oh, my gosh. He, uh, well, first of all, he got those guys to just play out of their minds for the last, like, two and a half months. They lost, like, two games or whatever, one or two games in the last two months of the season. So there was a sequence, might have been late third, early fourth, and it was a third and seven in Packers, like around midfield, but like Packers territory. Third and seven, and they run the ball. Now, some of this is Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, with Dan Campbell's blessing. Mm-hmm. But they run the ball on third and seven. I'm like, God, that's awfully conservative. Just to get to the edge of field goal range, to kick like a 50-some yard field goal in the Lambeau weather. Mm-hmm. But then they go for it instead. So set the third and seven run, which catches the Packers off guard. And then the green light to go for it. Love the aggressiveness. But then... Later on, if you guys remember, as they're trying to run the clock out with like two and a half minutes to go, three, two and a half, three minutes to go, the Packers jumped off sides, potentially on purpose, on second and one. Yes. And they had like one timeout yes. left at the time. Yes. And Dan Campbell declined the penalty. And it might have seemed like, well, that's kind of weird. Why wouldn't you just take the first down? 
the Packers were trying to get back to first down so that they could stop you on three plays, get the ball back quicker. That's why you jump off sides on purpose. But declining it, running a play, get a first down, it gets it, it builds an extra play and 40 seconds off the clock into the equation as you're trying to run this thing out. Yes. And then green lighting the hook and ladder play again. Great offensive mastermind coordinator Ben Johnson, but ultimately Dan Campbell's the one green lighting this stuff, making the fourth down decisions. He's been made fun of by us and everyone else as this meathead football buffoon, right? But he has turned out to be a really savvy coach. Maybe the Vikings missed out. I'm just saying. Maybe the Vikings should have fired Mike Zimmer a year earlier. I'd be, so, some curi- KOC, but I'd be so curious what they they would have done if the Seahawks had lost, and that's a playoff spot, though. Like, do, do you do all would of that? Would they have done the aggressive stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now the declining the penalty, I think that, that they do because they essentially forced the Packers then to call a timeout that the Packers were trying to preserve. So that was just genius. Yeah. Um, but that play, that last play when when I think it was Mont St. Brown pitched it backwards, I'm like, oh my God, this is backyard stuff. Like this amazing. is school, this is recess football, baby. But, but that's kind of like part of their identity with the fake yeah. punts and everything they do is You're like right. they could just they're kind of this crazy team. Just serve. like Dan Campbell, they could just do anything at any time. They could just like break a bottle over their heads at a they party. Play drunk football. Bleed out, they're, you know. They play drunk football. They're they're like, ah, oh, there there goes Uncle Art again. The He's functioning dancing with football a team. Lampshade on his head. Um, let's do one more here from Judd, because we got a bunch of other stuff to get to today, which you'll find on the Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily feeds. Uh last statement presented by our friends at Underdog, Declan. Underdog Fantasy. That's right. It was a little PGA, a little century tournament action over the weekend, and old Dex tweets had a nice little sweat on Friday, but he he uh, wrote a couple unders here. JT, there's new options, by the way, now for scores. You can take birdies over or under, and I took the under of JT birdies, which was a sweat, which was a sweat. He had five with three holes to play, and I thought, oh, boy, uh, this is going to come right down to it, but never a doubt. Because uh, underdog fantasy is the best way to get a sweat on any type of game, whether it's PGA picks, NFL picks. You got playoff football coming up. You can do drafts. You can do playoff pickums. There's so many different options at underdog fantasy. And if you haven't joined, use promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R. They'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. Go download the underdog fantasy app. All right, give me one more statement. All right. Uh, staying on the theme in the NFC North of genius teams, Ryan Poles is a genius. The Bears tank is one of the greatest tanks I've ever seen. Um, Signing was, Nathan Peterman. All they of- won too many games to start. He starts trading away guys who are contributors. Uh, but more importantly, think about the tank in full, okay? Now, one is when people say, well, teams don't tank, coaches don't tank. No, you're exactly right. You make your team so bad that, one, they're going to lose, and, two, they're eventually going to have their will to try Taken away. What you want to do is get a collection that's so bad that they're like, we're screwed. But but in the midst of doing that, they actually, in the midst of a terrible year in which they're going to get the first overall pick, they got an answer or got very close to one on their potential quarterback, Justin Fields. Justin Fields, wow. we didn't know. We're gonna and find out. We're gonna find uh, out well, how are. they are to Justin we're Fields. We're gonna around and find but, out. We're but they, gonna find out. But they, but they know a lot more on him, and that's the point. The point is, they actually got a very good idea of what he can can't do. I think that this tank is among the best I've seen, because when you walk away with the first pick, 
with at least knowing who your quarterback is and so much salary cap space, it's outrageous. I think the Chicago Bears in the next three years are set up to come, no pun intended, roaring back. It's a, yeah, and they have twice as much cap space as basically the next, the second ranked team. They they have over $100 million to spend on free agents. Yeah. And so, but the number one pick is likely to be a quarterback if someone else was drafting, right? So what do you do? Do you, do you draft, do you draft a maybe better quarterback and trade Justin Fields? Do you trade the number one pick for a haul? Yeah, they're, exactly. they're they're very much in the driver's seat for for the draft for free agency and it'll be interesting how good because look what happened with the Jaguars you can turn it around real quick yep. if you got the right coach the right quarterback and a bunch of free agent money so we'll see hey the Cardinals uh, fired Cliff Kingsbury here this morning too as well so there's uh, vacancies are oh, starting I love it Black, Black Monday Black is Monday mm-hmm. uh, yeah Cliff Kingsbury Lovey Smith was fired last night. I think those are the only two from, like, after the season yeah. so far, right? Denver's looking. Carolina is. Yeah. Okay. I still, I still wonder about the Chargers. The Chargers lose their first playoff game. I think I think Staley's bought himself another year. I just think I Sean. I just think Sean Payton. I Sean Payton is a very smart, well-connected, savvy, perhaps even underhanded guy. And all I'm saying is that Justin Herbert. Okay. So, like, you could talk about, well, Denver. I gotta go, Coach Russ. Then, and he might be, he might be cooked. Um, if I got the keys to the Justin Herbert car, and I talk to the Chargers, and I'm Peyton, and I say, look at what I did with Drew Brees, right? And and look, Staley's a great guy. God bless him. He is a <laughs> he is a great man. Brandon, but, you're you're a great guy, but he's a defensive guy. I'm just saying, look at Joe Burrow, look at Joe Burrow, and look at Her- Herbert, and Herbert. Is damn good. Is he being maximized there? No, he's not. Wouldn't you yeah, want to doesn't maximize Sean Payton, him? Does Sean Payton? He does the he does Fox stuff in L.A. all the time. Yeah, he's right? a big time California guy. Look at him. I bet he loves California. You could stay in L.A. I'm just, just yeah, just twist that knife in Brandon Staley's back. That's good lesson for the kids out there. Oh, Sean Payton! Sean Payton oversaw a bounty a bounty scheme. You think he's going to care about Brandon Staley? I love that he went on national TV yesterday and he just like was Outline. completely transparent about. And he's doing it for leverage, right? And they, yeah, I'm. Uh, I've got this, I've got these discussions happening with owners. Uh, had a great discussion with uh, this owner yesterday, and then oh they asked God. him. I think what on a scale of one to ten, what's the likelihood you're back at Fox? He said probably like a seven leverage. Yeah, uh, I mean, I definitely. Having these conversations, but I'll probably go back to Fox unless yeah. you want to give me $10 million a year. Unless I got the charger shop. I, I think yeah. he's going to pick, though, because he's – I think he's the type of guy that probably doesn't want, like, a quarterback who he doesn't trust. Yeah. Yeah, well, he said ownership and front office are the most important things over quarterback. Well, but if you can get all of it, I think you'd probably – Bring it on. Price it up. So, all right, Mackie and Judd. It's playoff week, so we've got you guys covered on Purple Daily and Mackie and Judd. Be on the lookout, too, for uh, Dex and Realistic Randy on Purple Daily. Before we die with Jesse and Thor, Alex Boone is going to have some some Giants-related scouting, I think, later this week on trenches on Purple Daily. First time in three years we get to experience playoff week. Mm. Vikings and Giants, vent line to follow on Sunday. We'll see you guys tomorrow on Mackie and Judd.